motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. You're listening to All Things Crime, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Three Men and a Mystery, and Zodiac Speaking. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Warning, All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. How do the small town agencies get it all done? They have limited resources, they have limited numbers of people, but they still manage to get it done. You're going to love this discussion with Detective Sean Gorman from the Lincoln, Rhode Island Police Department. Here's part one. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of All Things Crime. And today I'm just beyond excited. Not only is it in between Christmas and New Year's, which is probably one of the best times in the entire year because of all the bowls and everything that's happening, at least those that aren't being canceled by COVID. And um, But I also have the opportunity to uh, have a little discussion with a, a man that is, I, I've been doing a little research on him, and I'll tell you, uh, Detective Sh- uh, Sean Gorman out of the Lincoln Police Department in Rhode Island is a not only a 19-year veteran with the Lincoln Police Department, but also a, a very well-versed man, has, um, and he's an adjunct professor, and a, he's also a graphic designer, so MBA in business and, or, or in uh, criminal justice and a, and a uh, bachelor's degree in business, right? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I hope I didn't slaughter that too much, but Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we actually met on LinkedIn and those of uh, you that are listening or watching this on YouTube. First of all, I I definitely appreciate everybody that uh, has subscribed. And if you haven't yet, just smash that subscribe button and uh, definitely share this with your friends. So, but Sean, we met on LinkedIn just real briefly. And you, you made a, a comment on one of the posts that I was following, and I thought it was just really uh, introspective. And so I thought, you know what, this is, this is a guy that not only has a lot of experience that I think the audience would be interested in, but also, have, you know, you have things to say. So wanted to give you a little platform and have you jump on here and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what, uh, what it's really like. So 
if you haven't had a chance to, you know, listen to any of the other episodes, basically this, this show is all about um, everything about the investigative process. And a big part of that is detective work and crime scene investigative work, which I know you're also certified as a CSI and which is impressive, man, you do it all. So, so let's get started with, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background, first of all, you know, because it's so diversified. There's a lot of police officers that don't have a background as diverse as yours and how you got into policing and kind of, you know, where your um, uh, where, where you've gone from there. Great. Yeah. Um, so my father was a police officer in the same town uh, in Lincoln, Rhode Island. It's a small town uh, in a small state. So it's, it's not as impressive as uh, most uh, other large police departments, but we do have a casino uh, and is the only casino. Uh, well, there's a small casino, but it's, a, it's the largest casino in the area. It's uh, Twin River. I uh, just recently bought the name Bally's. So we do have a lot of uh, big town problems um, with a small town police department. So it affords me the benefit of, um, I guess, being a, a jack of all trades, master of none, because um, we, we do a lot with what we have, um, which is very little because we have, we're a small town. So, but my father was a, a detective. He was the detective commander at the time. Um, he retired back in uh, the eighties and um I always kind of felt this draw towards policing, um, but it, it just, I didn't know whether it was for me or not. Uh, and then I ended up going into business. I got a degree at uh, University of Rhode Island uh, in business administration. And uh, then from there, I decided I wanted to do more of the advertising uh, portion of it. So I decided to go to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design uh, and get a degree in graphic design. Um, I did that for several years, making some good money. I was pretty happy. Um, and then one day while I was uh, designing hernia patches, um, that, which are actual patches that go onto hernias, I was designing the packaging for that. I watched uh, two planes slam into uh, the World Trade Center. And uh, that was it. I was like, that, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not helping anybody. Um, no one's going to remember me. I'm not going to have a legacy by designing hernia patch boxes. Uh, so about... Um, Six months later, I was in the police academy and, and I became a police officer. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, 9-11, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people weren't even alive, you know, that are now doing business. And, you know, I see a lot of them on LinkedIn, I see a lot of them, you know, that are in college and things, and they weren't even alive when 9-11 when happened. So a lot of the emotion, a lot of the just shock, uh, I, I remember the the whole economy basically just kind of went into stall mode when that happened. I, I think everybody was just so just in utter disbelief that that could happen on U.S. soil. And but I think it I think it inspired a lot of people to join the military to uh, or join the police force. You know, to do something that would actually serve the community as opposed to just serving. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, being a graphic designer is important work and we, we always need good graphic designers, but, you know, people that are willing to step up and, and put a uniform on and serve, um, can't, uh, can't go wrong with that. No, I agree. It was, it was definitely difficult. And, um, the best part of it was when I first got on, obviously that has changed dramatically. 
um, when I first got on, I would drive down the streets and I'd have kids running up to my patrol car and, and thanking me and wanting to be me and talking to me. And um, it was it was actually it was amazing. And it was it was what my father promised it would be. Um, and then, you know, he's not around to see this. Thank God. If he was, he'd be heartbroken. But uh, I mean, things obviously changed they, and they ebbed and flowed as I expected. I didn't expect to be the hero, you know, always. I get it. Um, you know, we, we are a target. Um, you know, when things happen in the world, they, they blame everybody. They blame all police officers. Um, but I didn't think it was ever going to get as bad um, as, it, as it is now to the, to the point where I, I've been doing a lot of soul searching myself on whether I want to retire, uh, whether I want to stick around. Um, I'm deciding I want to stick around for a little bit just because I feel that there's more I can do uh, by sticking around and helping out my community and helping out my police department because we've lost a third of our police department. Wow. Now that's, when you say a third of your police department, um, first of all, how many officers do you have? Believe it or not, we have 37. Okay. And you're supposed to be at what, 50? No, we've always maxed out at 37. And that's where I'm, I'm going to go back to the whole small town uh, thought process is that we have a very, we have, we have a very um, transient population. We have a community college, we have a mall, we have movie theaters, we have uh, Amica's home base, Amica Insurance home base, a large, we have the casino. So we have a very, very transient population. We only have a population between 20 and 25,000. So they mm -hmm. base our police department off of our population. Um, and that's not the best thing to do. As you can imagine, a lot of these beach communities, for instance, they've got more than us because they know when the summer comes, you know, all heck is breaking loose. Um, so they plan ahead. We've never really done that. We've always been stuck in the kind of the small town feel. Uh, but we do have a lot of, you know, uh, serious crime because of the casino and because of uh, what uh, the casino and the schools and the malls bring in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I, I have a really good friend who um, is uh, over the crime scene unit at Miami Beach PD. And some of the stuff he describes during spring break is just, <laughs> it's just unreal. Oh, you know, but, but a lot of these people, they, they come in, it's not part of their community. And so they, they have just this uh, attitude that they just don't care. They're going to do whatever they want to do, whatever they feel like doing at the moment, which especially for the younger crowd is going to be totally uh, off the wall most of the time. And right. Uh, a lot of it's illegal. And when you have that transient crowd of what you're talking about, uh, it can make major problems for especially a, a smaller, you know, community like yours, you're just not equipped to, uh, to handle that, you know, like massive numbers of, of people that have to go to jail or anything like that. It's, it's, it's crazy how much it can sap your resources in, in a relatively short amount of time. Right. One one big case, uh, you know, cripples us for quite a while, like um, obviously. But the thing about also the casino is that for some strange reason, the rules of society cease to exist within the walls of the, the, the casino. It makes no sense. People that don't have criminal records, um, elderly people that that have gone 70 years plus, you know, living a great life will all of a sudden steal a purse. Um, you know, a, a person that is a doctor or a lawyer uh, who has obviously a flawless record will all of a sudden get into a fist fight with, with another person. And it, it, it makes no sense. I wish I could explain it. I'm sure there's the studies that are done, but none of that I'm aware of. 
I just don't understand what these people think when they go in the walls of this casino. They realize, okay, I don't know. I don't know what happens to their to their psyche. That's interesting because I actually lived in Las Vegas for four years, and the uh, the casino industry there obviously is is massive, and the number of people that come in there that and it fluctuates by weekend and. But there's, there's uh, some interesting studies that have happened with gambling in general, and they've looked at the different uh, serotonin and all of these different uh, hormones that are released when somebody is gambling. And I'll bet you money that has a big part of it, of, of what you're describing there, because um, if you combine everything from sex to the adrenaline to, you know, everything that's released when you're... Uh, when you're happy, when you're excited, uh, when you're exercising, all of those, the, the crazy thing about gambling is all of those are released when you're gambling. And so it's like the, the drive to continue gambling is so addictive that it doesn't surprise me at all of what you're describing, you know, just to see a doctor that would have a, have a perfect record, have a, a practice to protect and yet when he's gambling, uh, especially if something goes wrong, that he would resort to some kind of a crazy, irrational behavior. Because, again, everything that's being released during gambling is, yeah, it's, I, I'll bet you that has a big part to do with it. So, I'm sure little side does. note there. I'm sure it does. I'm, I'm sure it does. And, and again, these are the type of criminals that I've kind of. I, I thought I was going to be dealing with them in my career. You know, you, you deal with someone and you, you, you arrest them and you look at their record and, and I'm like, I, I can't believe I'm arresting this guy. This guy is a, a father. He's, he's been married 25 years. He's, he's got a, a practice in, in Boston and, and now I'm putting handcuffs on him and he's calling me every name in the book. And then he wakes up the next morning in the jail cell and I have the best conversation with him. The, the man is, a, is just a, a pleasant, pleasant man. And I have to bring him to court and arraign him in front of a judge. And I almost feel like telling the judge, like, let's just forget everything. I mean, this, this guy's, this guy's great. He's a nice guy. I wish he was my doctor. Um, but then, unfortunately that's not the case. You, you have to deal with your mistakes and you, you reap what you sow. So. Right. Well, and that, that brings up a really important point. Uh, I I'd love to get your, your thoughts on is, you know, there's so much going on right now where it, it seems that the police Blaming the police for all of society's problems is the answer to everything. And there's a, I think there's a big misunderstanding of really what the role of the police officer is, the law enforcement officer in general, and how you guys, so there's times when you can use discretion, but there's other times when you can't. So I, and I don't know if this is an area that you want to delve into, but let me know, you know, tell me what you think of, of when you get a call to service and like for that doctor, for example, what, what could you have done and what were you obligated to do? Well, for instance, I mean, first of all, to, to kind of backtrack, I think everybody right now is scared and they're confused. And, um, you know, back when COVID first started, uh, you know, everybody was half the half the country was was upset with with the politics and the president. It was a nightmare. And, you know, then COVID popped up and, and everyone just mixed messages and, and people get very, very nervous, very, very scared. And when they get 
nervous and scared, they get irrational. And unfortunately, we became the whipping boy um, because of that awful video um, with George Floyd. We became the whipping boy and all the animosity, all the, the fear, everything uh, was directed at police. Um, and, you know, we represent politicians. You know, I am Donald Trump. I, I mean, because I'm a police officer, I, I must be a, a, a right wing conservative racist. I must be. I mean, that, that's what everyone assumed. And uh, it, it, it was incredibly, incredibly hurtful, especially for someone like myself that I mean, I mean, I've always tried to be, you know, fair and impartial and, and, and I'll go into the whole doctor thing where you show up and you just try to help people. I mean, you, that, the first thing you think of is not, hey, I'm, I'm going to kill somebody. Hey, I'm going to beat somebody. Hey, I'm going to arrest somebody. Hey, I'm going to ruin somebody's life. That, that's not what anybody does. Now, one police officer I know, you know, walks in the squad room and, and takes off his jacket and sits down with his coffee and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I am going to shoot somebody. I'm going to kill someone. I'm going to ruin someone's life. Nobody does that. Um, and for people to think that that happens is insane. So when I deal with this doctor, the first thing that happens when I show up is just the wind is completely knocked out of my sails. I, I just show up and, I, and, and you can almost see me on, on video. You just see me go, oh, like, I, I don't want to deal with this. This is, are you serious? You, you hit, and then I run the guy and I see that he's a good man. And, and the person that he, that he hit was a good person. And, but the problem is there's an assault and there's injuries and it's on high definition camera and, you know, people are crowded around and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big to do. So you have to make arrests. You have to, because, because if you don't, then it's the opposite of the thing. We're not doing our job which in itself is, is, is hysterical. So if we do our job, <laughs> then we're awful. If we don't do our jobs, then we're awful uh, by the other half. So, uh, but unfortunately in that case, you show up, you have to arrest somebody, you have to make an arrest, you have to take statements, you have to do uh, everything. And then when it goes into the court system, hopefully things you know, work out, the man doesn't have a record. Hopefully there was no seriously, in that case, there wasn't any serious injuries. It was just pushing and shoving and the guy fell down. And, and I, I know if, if anything, you probably get a filing, I think after it was all said and done with, um, which is nothing, which is just like kind of like super secret probation in, in Rhode Island. It's, you know, they, they kind of put your name in a drawer and just stay out of trouble. So, and he was from Mass anyways, we stayed out of Rhode Island. Uh, but it, but it's, it's definitely not what I signed up for. It's a deal with, with people like that because, you know, it's just they're there and they're just having a bad time. Yeah, well, and then you start involving, like I said, the, the whole aspects of gambling, but, you know, might've been some drinking involved. Might have been. Bit. Yeah, <laughs> might have been. Um, yeah. That doesn't happen very often in the casinos, right? No, no, we never, we never ever have problems with people drinking too much. Right. Yeah, happens. they're sitting there at a slot machine. They got all those, uh, you know, all all those addictive chemicals running through their bodies, and and then uh, start adding, uh, I don't know, um, mind numbing uh, <laughs> drinks to it. And right. a little couple of Long Island iced teas and yeah, they're oh, yeah. done. But anyway, that, you know, that happens. It doesn't just happen in casinos, but yeah, you know, you can go to beaches, you can go to bars, you can go to just about any place, you know, ball games. You see people do that. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, we just, we just went through the, the Christmas season. And so, you know, you see people that are completely irrational, just right. running into Walmart when it first opens on, on a Friday morning, right after Thanksgiving. And, you're like, what is wrong with this guy? Right. 
You know, he's like punching somebody over a TV or something like that. So I'm sure there are know, five stories on the TV right now that that are talking about people acting irrationally. That's all you see is just that it seems like that's commonplace right now. So I, I guess people could probably understand me now more than ever is when they see, you know, these reactions on planes and airports. And like you said, during Christmas time and toilet paper um, and milk and all this other stuff. So, I mean, it, it's it's similar. You, you don't understand what's happening with these people. Yeah. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.